your love so great Jesus in all things I've seen a glimpse of your heart billion years still I'll be singing how can I praise you enough how can to us, but to your name, we live. 
the stars in glory your love is like the wildest ocean no nothing else compares turns into wine open the eyes of the blind there's no one like you there's none like you into the darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise there's no
song we could ever sing worthy of every praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you Jesus the name Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Yes, we live for you. Focus on him. 
Can you tell us one interesting fact about Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. No, I can't actually. That's a good question. He died for people's sins. I don't know. He's the creepy looking dead guy hanging from a crucifix. I heard he was a Jew. He will rise again? I don't know. <laughs> Um, well, he came back from the dead. That's pretty interesting, right? <laughs> He's the son of God, son of man, my savior. Uh, I hate to say it, I don't really know that much about Jesus Christ, to be honest. An interesting fact. Well, I can't give you a fact. It would be all hearsay. Apparently, he used to be here 2,000 years ago, but I wouldn't know anything to be a fact. He doesn't exist. If a complete stranger died for you, would you be interested in finding out about who that person was? I, I would. Heck yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Sure. Why why wouldn't I? Obviously, yeah, that would make me interested. Right. If someone died for me? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the ultimate sacrifice, so yeah, that would make me interested. Absolutely, yes. I'd be very interested because they felt that I was worth it, and I would want to know why. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Why? Because, I mean, that person just saved my life. They They gave their lives to save a complete stranger's life. I mean, I think that deserves a little more than just looking into.
Are you glad to be here today? Listen, can I tell you, when you watch that video and you think about all the people and the different uh, perspectives of who Jesus is, and yet here we are gathered today and we worship, we gather for fellowship, and it's all about Jesus. If you don't hear anything else I say today, please know this, it's all about Jesus. And so when it comes to the person of Jesus, it is so critical for us to get it when it comes to who he is. And so we're in, the, in, in this book of 1 John, this little epistle, 1 John, and we're going to close it out today. Um, but I wanted to kind of entitle the message that it's all about Jesus because that's kind of a theme you see picked up in chapter 5 of 1 John. So what is John dealing with? John has been dealing with some, um, some false teaching that had crept into the church. He had been dealing with uh, some... Uh, disobedience uh, of, of the commands of Christ. He had been dealing with a lack of love when it comes to brothers, sisters in Christ, loving one another. And so he's been addressing this throughout his epistle. And then he gets to the, the end of, of this little epistle, uh, chapter 5, and he begins talking about Jesus as the Messiah. Now, it's important for us to know that a lot of people believe in Jesus, Many people, even secular people that are not believers, believe that Jesus is a person that walked on the earth. Many people believe in Jesus. In fact, let me share with you um, quickly some stuff that I jotted down this morning when it comes to different religions. Uh, in Islam, they believe in Jesus. They believe in the virgin birth. Uh, they believe that Jesus is to be revered as a prophet and an apostle of God, but yet they deny that he is God or the Son of God. They deny that he was crucified or that he died on the cross. They believe that was just an illusion. Some even believe it was Judas Iscariot that was crucified. In Hinduism, they believe in Jesus as well, but they believe he was a holy man and a wise teacher. And that's not wrong. But they also believe Jesus is a God, and they include Jesus in their worship of many different gods. They also deny that Jesus is the only way to God. In Buddhism, believe, uh, they believe that Jesus was an enlightened man and a wise teacher. And as a wise teacher, he is to be respected in their religion, but he's not divine. And in Judaism, they believe that Jesus was Mary's son, but they denied the virginity of Mary. They, they divide, uh, denied that she was uh, a virgin when he was born. He was respected by a lot of Jews, but not all, because if you read the scriptures, you know that they were accusing him of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub. How I many you know that's kind of a slam? And they were saying Jesus uh, was a drunkard and, and a glutton, and so there were not a lot of them that respected him, but many did respect him. They acknowledge him as a miracle worker. How do, you, how do you deny the miracles of Jesus as laid out in the scriptures? And so they recognize the miracles of Jesus. And they acknowledge that he was crucified on the cross, yet they deny that he was divine, a divine being, and that they deny the resurrection as, as well. The Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection, and so they were sad, you see. That's an easy way to remember which ones didn't like and didn't believe in a resurrection. So while these many different religions, and even in Christian, Christianity, uh, there's a lot of people who believe in Jesus, but it's very important for us to understand when we say we believe in Jesus, what are we believing about Jesus? And Because this is what John was dealing with, with Gnosticism. And in Gnosticism, they were talking about Jesus. They also said they were right with God, but they weren't acknowledging that Jesus was God's way for them to be right. They were saying Jesus wasn't a man in the flesh. 
Uh, they had a hard time believing that the flesh and the spirit could be together. So they, they're like, the spirit has nothing to do with the flesh. It doesn't matter what you do in the body because the spirit is separate. And because of that, they were godless. They were loveless. They were disobedient to the commands of Christ. And John is just unwrapping all of this stuff in this little epistle saying, this is what genuine Christian fellowship looks like. This is what practicing righteousness looks like. These are some of the pitfalls to avoid, as David spoke about uh, a few weeks ago. And so on, our distinguishing mark, this loving one another that we talked about last week. And so he's making it clear for us that it's not about believing in Jesus, but it's about believing a specific truth of who Jesus is. What was dealt with in John's time uh, in the early church was they were denying that Jesus was Messiah. It's a very important role of Jesus. That's who he is. That's the mission for which he came to the earth. And so John puts it this way early in his letter, talking about the Antichrist. And he says, um, I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, that Jesus is not the Messiah, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an Antichrist, he says. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So they believe in Jesus, but they didn't believe that Jesus was Messiah. Later in chapter 4, uh, verse about 2, it says, If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, again, this is combating this Gnosticism, it says that they, they claim he came in a, in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So so John wants his readers and us to know who Jesus really is. It's like having the wrong key. Have you ever done that? Walk up to a door and you got a key that looks like the key that normally opens the door and you grab the key and you stick it in the lock and it doesn't turn the lock. It's like to know Jesus but not to know the the real Jesus is to have the wrong key. It might open a door but it won't open the right door. Amen? So at the end of life when it is all settled, we want to know that we hold the key uh, to salvation, that we hold the key that makes us right with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of that hinges on who Jesus is. And so what we believe in Christianity is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Amen? And we believe that Jesus, we'll celebrate the birth of Jesus, and that's not the beginning of Jesus because he was with God in the beginning. It's just the incarnation of Jesus when he put flesh on and he came and he dwelt among us. And we know the story of Jesus that he was, uh, he came to his own and his own rejected him, John chapter 1. And, and Jesus lived a perfect life and he went to the cross and he was crucified, buried, raised again on the third day. All of this was the plan all along. It was God's way that he was going to redeem humanity. So how many of you know we, we believe in the humanity of Christ? And, and this is important. Because if he didn't have a physical body, then he couldn't give a physical body as a sacrifice, right? Because it says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And so Jesus had to have a physical body to be able to lay it down on the cross. And John begins this little letter by saying, the the one we've heard about, we've heard him, we've talked with him, we've touched him. This is the the Jesus that we want to proclaim to you. We believe Jesus is fully man. 
But there's also some that say Jesus wasn't fully God. In fact, they say, and they use a passage in Philippians, that Jesus laid down his deity. That when Jesus was walking the earth, he was not divine. That he was just a, a man. And some even said that, you know, well, he was a man and that his baptism, the spirit of Messiah descended upon him and was with him right up until the time before his crucifixion. And he left him at that moment. And all of those, as laid out in Scripture, are heresies that John is trying to make sure the church understands who Jesus is. And so everything we believe about Jesus matters. Amen? That's why I've said so many times over the years that the most important thing that we can do in this life is to believe in Jesus, is to put our faith in Jesus, the Messiah. So I believe everything hinges on who Jesus is. And so John, I'm here in chapter 5, and we're going to look at the first 13 verses. I want to look at the witness of God about Jesus, which I think is very powerful. Uh, but also, there are four truths that John lays out for those um, that believe that Jesus is not just Jesus, the good man, the good prophet, the good leader, the good moral person, but for Jesus, the Messiah. So for those that put their faith in Jesus as Messiah, there's four truths here. So in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Everyone who believes, now what are we believing? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah. The Messiah meant the anointed one, chosen for a purpose. Before the foundation of the world, all of the Old Testament scriptures pointed to the coming of the Messiah that would take away the sins of the world. That's what he's talking about when he says Jesus as the Christ. More than Jesus as a good moral teacher, a good miracle worker, amen? So he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, has become a child of God. So the first thing, the first truth there is for those who place faith in Jesus as Messiah, they are born into the family of God. That's encouraging, isn't it? That they are begotten of God. They're born of God. They're in the family of God. Now, if you ever had a dysfunctional family, you know how important it is to know that when you place your faith in Jesus as Messiah, that you're a part of his family. That's encouraging, isn't it? To be a part of God's family. You ever recognize the fact that we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ? It's because our Father is God in heaven. We are children of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 1, 12, right after he says, Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him, it says, but to those who did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Galatians 3, 26, 6 says, um, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Again, Galatians 4, 7, one of my favorite verses, we sing a song a lot that speaks of this. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Church, I want you to know that when you place your faith in Jesus as a Messiah, you are a part of the family of God. And that's good news, amen? Because if you're in the family of God, you're a co-heir with Christ. God is our Father. And I don't know how you were raised, the Father relationship but I know for many of us, we, we try to imprint what we've experienced from our own earthly fathers onto a heavenly God. We think, man, God must be in heaven with this rubber mallet waiting to just ding me in the head when I screw up. Some people believe God that way. But the God that we serve is a God of love, a God whose mercies are new every morning. 
And he includes us when we believe by faith in Jesus, the Messiah. That's good news, right? So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. There's something interesting um, in the verbiage uh, in this one verse. There's uh, the, the pre, uh, what is it, the past tense, uh, the perfect tense. What are the other ones? Pretense? Is that right? Present tense. Present tense. Help me out, guys. Y'all flunk English too like me? So, so notice this. This is everyone who believes. This is in the, the present tense, meaning it's a continuing. Those that are believing that Jesus is the Messiah have become a child of God. That's in the past tense, something that has been done in the past. And so you could flip that around and read it backwards. Those who have become a child of God, those who are born of God or have been, past tense, are believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And so as believers in Jesus, the Messiah, that we are in this family of God, he goes on, and everyone who loves the Father, because we're his children, right, loves his children too. Or if we're born of God, we love others who are born of God. So they're believing in the same Father that we are believing in. And he says, those that are born of God love God, and they love others that are born of God. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. This is not speaking specifically here of the Ten Commandments, because we know that if we try to follow those, we're all going to fail miserably, right? Those, those commands are there to show us our need for redemption, a Savior. But I think he's speaking more of the great command to love God and to love other people. He says loving God means, or this is how you demonstrate your love for God. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4, he goes on talking about those that are born of God. And the second truth for those who believe in Jesus as Messiah says this, for every child of God defeats this evil world. He's an overcomer. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is is the Son of God. And so the, the, the proper belief, the right key, it all hinges on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Believing in Jesus as the Son of God gives us victory over the world. He says that we are conquerors. I don't know about you, but I wrestle with that particular description of a follower of Christ. You know, there's a lot of different places in Scripture that it tells us, and it speaks of believers. It says believers, we're children of God. We are the salt. We are the light. We are a peculiar people. I agree with that one. Some of you guys are really peculiar. But there's a lot of descriptions about followers of Christ. But here he says you're an overcomer. And I wrestle with that one because there are a lot of times I feel like life just kicks me in the teeth when I'm down, right? That you try to get things going. It just feels like life is against you. And the reality is we live in a fallen world. And so we're going to experience those things. But the good news is when you place your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, you have been an overcomer. You overcome this evil world. That, that, should be, that should put a smile on everybody's face in here this morning. To know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. To know that we will encounter certain things in life that might kick us in the teeth, but we know in the end we win. I love that. I was uh, <clears throat> quoted a song in the first service that just came to my mind, and I love how ADD works. That stuff just pops there. Um, I may not be able to remember the lyrics now, uh, but it's an old song sang years ago, um, and he says, Curled up in a prison cell, they shivered from the cold, tortured for the cause of Christ, yet peace was in their soul. 
For years they were in shackles that cut their hands and feet. The torture of a Roman jail for preaching in the street. And suddenly the soldiers came and grabbed one of the brothers. He knew death was waiting out that door. Yet he called out to the others. We have won. We have won. Through the blood of Jesus we have won. It will echo through the ages. We'll endure though evil rages. Christians stand courageous. We have won. Amen. I read the back of the book and guess what? We win. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. That's a great truth uh, that some of you need to tell yourself over and over again. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith in Jesus is the son of God. Look at verse 10, and I'll come back to God's witness about Jesus. It's in who believe, all who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. We'll come back to that in a second. Those who don't believe uh, this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe that God has testified about his Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Third truth for those who place faith in Jesus as Messiah is he has given us eternal life. That's good news, isn't it? This is what God has testified, he says. He has given us eternal life. And this life is through your good works. Now what it says this life, this eternal life is um, because you're perfect church attendance. I can tell you right now, COVID ruined that for everybody. Don't act like you're on your couch watching TV. You were in your pajamas eating a donut. You probably watched it at 10 o'clock at night. You know what I'm saying? But he said he's given us eternal life for all those who believe in his son. This life is in his son. It's all about Jesus, church. And the reason this is so important, because if it's not just about Jesus, we might be tempted to say Jesus plus something. I mean, there's the work of Jesus on the cross, and that's important, but I believe I also got to pull my end of the, the, the weight here. I got I to hold up my end of the bargain. That's a dangerous place to be, because we'll never, ever be good enough. It's Jesus plus nothing. And that's what John wants us to know. It's all about Jesus. And the truth is, when we place our faith, not as in Jesus as a good man, but Jesus as God's sent, anointed one for the sins of the world to die on the cross, that Jesus, belief in that Jesus, is a saving faith. Anything outside of that is to go to the, the door and have the wrong key. Now, I don't know about you, but I know at the end of my life, I want to know I got the right key. And can I just tell you, it's Jesus. He's the key. Verse 13, um, he concludes, begins the conclusion of his letter. And he says, I've written this to you and all of these things that he's written. I've written all these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that, here's the purpose, you may know you have eternal life. I wrestle with that one. I was raised uh, in church, and I'm not going to say they taught it from the pulpit, but some of the things that were caught from some of the teaching was that, um, you know, if I didn't live right Monday through Friday, I didn't have the assurance that on Sunday I was going to go to heaven if I were to die. And so you can imagine the yo-yo or the, the seesaw of emotions every week, not knowing whether I was right with God. 
Because somehow being right with God was uh, based on my performance and I hadn't performed well that week. And so I never had an assurance of salvation. I just never knew whether I was good with God or not. I love this. This is especially important to me. For those who place faith in the Son of God, he says, I've written these things to you so that you can know. Not that you can think or hope or guess, but that you can know that you have eternal life. It's pretty precious, isn't it? To, to believe in Jesus as Messiah or as the, the Son of God, it makes us a child of God. It gives us victory over this world. It gives us eternal life, and it gives us an assurance of that eternal life. Now, why would he be trying to persuade these people to believe in Jesus as Messiah? Because many rejected Jesus as Messiah. Said so they accepted him as a good man, right? They saw Jesus. They couldn't deny his existence because they watched his miracles, and they heard the stories, but they were denying a very important fact about who Jesus was. They were denying that he was the Christ. He was the, the Messiah. And so John, wanting to correct this, he, he's explaining to them who Jesus is. Why would they respond to that? And so this is where I come to the witness, the testimony. Now, you think about the testimony. Well, let me go on. And Jesus was revealed as God's son. By his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, some of your versions will say, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. And I remember early on in my faith going, what does that mean, water and blood? Is this talking about the birth, the natural birth of Jesus? And I mean, what is it speaking of when it says the water and the blood? Well, the New Living Translation, I love how it lays it out because it kind of makes that clear for us. And it says, this is the one, he was revealed as God's son by his baptism in water, and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And he's talking about the testimony of God validating who Jesus is. And so just think real quickly, what happened at the baptism of Jesus? It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And John alludes to it in his gospel, the gospel of John. What happened at the baptism of Jesus? John the Baptist, different John, is baptizing in the river Jordan, and Jesus comes to him, and John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus comes to John the Baptist and says, Hey, I need you to baptize me. John the Baptist says, Whoa, hold up. I need to be baptized by you. Jesus says, No, it's necessary for now. And so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. When Jesus came out of the Jordan River, what happens? Matthew, Mark, Luke, even John alludes to it. It says, The Spirit of God descended upon Jesus like a dove. There's a visual sign, something special about this guy right here. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke say, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. I mean, no question about it, right? God from heaven, this is my, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's a great testimony, right? You think it would be like, okay, we got it. That's what happened at his baptism. It was the beginning, the inauguration of his ministry, God's stamp of approval on Jesus as Messiah. This is the one that came by water, the water of baptism. And by blood is a reference to his, his death. Again, if you fast forward to the end of Jesus' life, and there's some very peculiar things that happen at the death of Christ. And I see it as God's stamp of approval on the acceptance of his uh, son's sacrifice for the sins of the world. What happened? 
at noon, you know, like 12 o'clock where it's bright outside, it says darkness fell across the land for three hours. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So there was earthquakes. It says the veil, the thick veil, the curtain between the, the high priest, only the high priest once a year got to go behind. This separated him from the people. It says the veil was torn from the top to the bottom, signifying that it was God who did it. You know what he was saying? He's making a statement. No longer is there a barrier between God and man, but you can now have access to God because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woo! You guys need to wake up. That's cool, isn't it? The, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. There were earthquakes. There was darkness across the land. Dead people came out of their tombs and walking around. There was some crazy divine stuff going on. I believe it was God's stamp of approval saying, you know what? That sacrifice was the perfect sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. I accept that. God's testimony that Jesus is, was the Messiah. Powerful testimony, right? He says, and the Spirit who is truth, speaking of the Holy Spirit, confirms it with his testimony. The Spirit was um, at the birth of Jesus, the conception there. He was a part of Jesus' ministry. Everything Jesus did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit was there also as a witness. And it says in verse 7, so we have these three witnesses about the person of Jesus. We have three character references, if you will, or character witnesses of this person, of Jesus as the Messiah. The water, the blood, and the spirit. And these three all agree. They're all one. They all agree. Now, listen to this. It says, since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. Think about that for a second. We're watching right now these lawsuits as it relates to the, the election. And, I, and I'm, I'm right in the middle of it. I'm like watching the testimony. Well, There's seven hours of testimony from people in just one state alone. Signing affidavits under perjury or penalty of perjury law, um, stating some of the things that they witnessed, eyewitnesses. And man, you're just, you're just sucked into it, right? And, and you start realizing there's a theme going on. There's multiple, 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 multiple people witnessing of things that they're experiencing. And so you're drawn to believe from their testimony that these things are true, right? And so he says, if we believe human testimony... And we do that. That's why we have juries, and uh, that's why we have people presenting the case and these witnesses as we're compelled by their testimony to believe something about what it is that they're presenting to us. And John says, since we believe human testimony, how many know that human testimony is slightly flawed just a little bit? If we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Church, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In fact, I could get up here and that's all I need to say. It's all about Jesus. Let's pray and let's go home. Is the most important message that you and I need to grab a hold of today. It's all about Jesus. So the question is, what key are you holding on to? Because if you're holding the key that believes Jesus is a good man and he died on a cross, but you don't accept him as Messiah, you don't accept him as God's propitiation for our sin, his payment, that's the way God was going to make us right with him, is through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, then my friends, you're holding the wrong key. And it might open some door, but it's not going to open the most important door that matters, right? 
Jesus is the key. And that's why I say all the time the most important thing we can do is place our faith in Jesus. And when I say that, I'm talking about everything that encompasses that. Faith in Jesus as Messiah, as the Son of God, fully God, fully man, came to this earth, lived a sinless life, took the sins of all humanity on his shoulders, died on a cross, made a great exchange. God's righteousness was put onto us from Jesus, and our sins were put onto Jesus, and he bore our sin and God's wrath. That's powerful, isn't it? That's why it's good news. The good news is God made a way for you to be made right with him. And unlike the Gnostics who said, hey, it's just a little higher knowledge. Or like those that say, oh, you just got to do a little bit more work. Jesus is like, it's all on Jesus. God says, it's all on Jesus. Whoever has the son has life. You got it all. Amen. And with that comes knowing that you are a child of God, so act like it. It comes with knowing that you are victorious in this world, so act like it. You know, we walk around like we're sucking on pickle juice and like the world's falling around us. Like, you know what? I've been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world, right? It means that I have eternal life. That is encouraging to me to know that eternity is set up not because of my works. The Bible says it is by the grace of God, not by works, so that no one can brag about it. No one can boast about it. It's all about Jesus. And through faith in Jesus, I have eternal life. And he says, if I believe in the name of the Son of God, I can know that I have eternal life. That's assurance. I'll tell you what. Oh, what peace comes to me now in my life when I realize, you know what? It's all on Jesus. It's all on Jesus. Now, this is not to say that we're not to live our lives in a certain way, like reflecting that we are uh, working um, in our salvation. We're not working for salvation, but we're working as a result of salvation. And so we've been changed by God, and therefore we want to honor him. We want to love people. Does that make sense? So it's not faith plus works. It's works as a result of our faith. We're a new creature in Christ, a new creation. So the question is, do you hold the key? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? There's that one word over and over and over and over again in this little passage here, um, pistevo, in the Greek. Pistevo, it's translated believe. Over and over, believe, believe, believe. So what does it mean to believe? Um, it's not speaking of just a cognitive understanding. Oh, yeah, I believe that about Jesus. I believe that he's the Messiah, that he died on the cross. I believe all that here but it's an active belief. It's to put your trust in or on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I put my hope in the gospel. Not only do I believe, but I'm believing on Jesus for salvation. I think one of the best examples, uh, illustrations that I've, I've seen in my life, and I've shared it here before, but I'll share it with you again, um, is the, the, the great Charles Blondin, if you remember the story. Charles Blondin was the tightrope walker. You remember across the Niagara Falls? And he was showing off, and he stretched the, the, the tightrope across Niagara Falls, and he would walk across it. And, and in fact, I think I saw an old picture of, of him sitting in the middle, standing on the middle of this Niagara Falls on a tightrope with a cooker stove in front of him, making like a pancake or something, an omelet. You know, like show off. But he was just doing this back and forth, back and forth. And finally, he grabs a wheelbarrow, and he gets to the first of the tightrope, and he says, how many of you believe that I can push this wheelbarrow across to the other side? Of course, by that time, they're all going, well, of course you can. You're the, the great Charles Blondin. You can do it. 
And then he asks a very important question. He says, how many of you believe that I can do it with someone in the wheelbarrow? Oh, of course you can. You're Charles Blondin. You can do that. Then who will get in the wheelbarrow? Any takers? See, I don't think anybody took him up on that one. See, that's what belief is, to believe in Jesus Christ, to say, I'm putting my life in his hands. I'm putting my life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that he is everything that I need to make me right with God the Father, and I'm trusting him to safely get me to the other side. Come on, church, do you hear me saying what belief looks like? It is not a head knowledge, but it is an act of trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ that makes us right with God. What do you say to that? To God be the glory, right? Hallelujah. Not by works so that no one can boast about it. But I'll ask the question again. Have you placed your faith, have you believed in, actively placed your trust and faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God? Have you placed your faith in the gospel? The most important decision you'll ever make in your life. The reality is there are many people that have done that years ago, and they're just still walking out their salvation, they're growing in their salvation, but there are people, sadly, who are holding the wrong key today. They may have a misunderstanding about Jesus, or they're trusting in the wrong Jesus, and as he said earlier, there's plenty of antichrist and plenty of false teachers that'll tell you what they want you to know about Jesus, but we want to know who the true Jesus is, and this Jesus is all that matters. He makes all the difference in the world. There's life in Jesus. Amen? That's good news. So I would say this way as we dismiss and as you ponder that question, do I hold the right key? That God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last night. That God extends that invitation. And if he's speaking to you, then I simply ask you to respond. I'm not asking you to come forward like old school invitation and pray this prayer, but simply saying, all right, right here and right now, I'm placing my trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right here and right now, I trust in Jesus. It's that simple. The Bible says, with the heart man believes unto salvation or righteousness, I think it's worded, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I'm simply saying that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good news, right? So my prayer is that everyone in this room has placed their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. Everyone in this room holds the right key that at the end of your life, with confidence today, with assurance today, you can say, I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded, I'm convinced, that he's able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. I know that I hold the key. And it's not anything that I've done, but it's everything that he did. It's all about Jesus. Father, I thank you for the finished work of Christ on the cross. I thank you that it was so complete that we need to add nothing to it. Lord, and I pray that you would protect us from some of the heresy that goes around from time to time that gives us a different picture of who Jesus was. And as John wrestled with that in his day, Lord, let us see the truth of who your son Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. He's the one that you set apart for the very purpose to seek and to save the lost. And that his death on the cross was enough, that it was sufficient. We don't need to add to that. Simply placing our faith in the gospel is to hold the right key. 
And Father, as I said earlier, I'm not suggesting that it means that we don't, it doesn't matter how we live our life. I think John made that very clear in his epistle. The genuine believers are going to want to obey the commands of Christ. And genuine believers are going to want to love those who are also in the family of God. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to realize, Lord, that we are working in our salvation today not to earn it. But, Lord, because you have already given us so much. And as Ephesians 4 one says that you want us to live a life worthy of the calling that we've been called to, that we've received. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to walk in a way that honors you. Help us to stand on the solid foundation that is Jesus and his finished work. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is to have the wrong key. Lord, we're trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. Lord, I pray that if there be anyone here today that has not taken that step of faith and belief in you, that they would get in the wheelbarrow today. That today would be the day they say, you know what, right here, right now, I trust Jesus. I place my hope in Jesus. And Father, I pray that they would be moved by that decision and that you would just reveal to them your love for them and God, that you would grow them in their, their faith. And Father, they would be courageous enough to share that decision with, with us, with someone and Father, enjoy all those many truths that are shared in your word about those who place faith in Jesus, that we are born into your family, we're your children, Lord, that we are victorious over this evil world, that we have eternal life, and we also don't have to walk around wringing our hands every day as to whether we're good with you today and not tomorrow, Lord, that we have this assurance that we have eternal life. All these things are written for that purpose, is what John said. So God, I pray that we would honor you in our decision today. Father, as we say at the end of this, it's all about Jesus. And and what can we say except, God, to you be all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.